is entitled Scripture Possible today. And Scripture Possible is all about the hard sayings of Christ's, the hard sayings of Christ that are possible for us to walk out because of his grace and because of his mercy. Amen. Amen. And so I want to start with John 15, 3. It's not in my notes uh, here on the slides, but John 15, 3 says this, Jesus, John 15, it's talking about pruning and Jesus is talking about uh, pruning, you know, and that we need to go through this pruning site. But he says this in the middle of it in verse three, he says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Right? So here's the thing, guys, is that if we take the word of God and we make it part of our life, then we're already clean and we don't have to go through the pruning process. That's good news. That's good news. We all want to not go through the pruning process. Well, maybe we still go through the pruning process a little. But you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So as we take these hard scriptures that we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks and we put them into practice and we walk them out, we become clean. Amen. That's good stuff, guys. All right. So here's the scripture for today. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Uh, there's a book out there. It's called Between the Lines, God is Writing Your Story. It's by Bob Sorge. Chapter 10 says, toughest verse in the Bible. And he refers to this scripture. <laughs> now, this isn't, like, this isn't the only place in scripture that we find this principle. And we're going to look at that today. This principle about considering it pure joy when you come into various trials is found throughout scripture. But James has a way of just being very direct, right? While other preachers and speakers, Paul and Jesus, they say things in nice ways. James is just like, listen, get it straight. Here it is. He just lays it right on the line. Uh, It is just the, he's just direct about stuff. It's just right to the point. And so you, you just really can't get any more straight than this. Count it joy when you come into trials. That doesn't make sense at all. My natural man hates that scripture. My natural man doesn't like that scripture at all. It doesn't make sense. When things get tough, I'm supposed to have joy. Tim, when my tire goes flat on my car, I'm supposed to have joy, right? Oh, are you kidding me? How is that joyful? Where is there joy in that? And so the Bible has a lot to say. The Bible has a lot to say about joy. So I want to, before I get into James 1, 2 and really dig down deep, I want to look at some other scriptures. But before I go there, I want to say this. James 1, 2, many translations say, consider it pure joy. Uh, NIV says, consider it pure joy. Consider it nothing but joy. Consider it great joy. Great joy. The Passion Translation says, the greatest joy. (sighs) Really? (laughs) There's a pop Christian song out there, uh, just came out, it was probably like, a year ago, maybe two years ago. And it's, I choose joy. How many of you know who I'm talking about? Anybody know the artist? I don't know. And I choose joy, right? So when something happens, I don't know the artist. I'm sorry. I don't really, I don't, don't pay a lot of attention to pop Christian music. I pay, I listen to a lot more worship music, but I know that that song's out there and I've heard a lot. Uh, and so when something happens, we have the opportunity to choose joy or to choose something else. <laughs> And so what's our choice going to be? Look at the scripture. It says, 
count it all joy. NIV says, consider it pure joy. It's a, it's a, it's a mindset, guys. Trials are going to come. The tire is going to go flat one way or another. What you're going to do after that, that depends on your standing with the Lord. And as we walk this scripture out, the scriptures make us clean. Praise the Lord. Oh, glory to God. Joy has, no, let me say this, joy has nothing to do with our experiences. Joy has nothing to do with what happens in your life. Happiness depends upon what happens. You see the correlation there? Happiness happens. Joy is irrelevant. Joy goes beyond. Joy goes beyond what happens. Joy is in, in, in complete opposition to what's happening. There's joy. In complete disregard to everything that's going on, there's joy. Joy goes beyond circumstances. Joy goes beyond our present situation. Joy is an expression of the kingdom of heaven. Joy is an expression of the kingdom of God. And when we live from that place, remember I'm always talking about being connected to the kingdom of heaven. When we live from this place of being connected to the kingdom of heaven, we can live from a place of joy regardless of what's going on in the midst of our circumstances. And this is the life that we've been called to. This is the life that Jesus died on the cross so that you and I can share and walk in. We were not, Jesus didn't die on the cross so you could live a miserable existence on the earth. He died on the cross so in part that you could, yes, go to heaven, but also so that you could live in joy while you're here. Come on. There's way too many miserable Christians out there. (laughs) There's way too many miserable Christians out there. I'll preach. I've met a lot of them. Joy. All right, let's take a look at a few. We're going we're gonna to bounce through. My intention here is to bounce through a couple of uh, scriptures on joy real quickly, and then I want to come back to this verse. We're going to dig down about what James 1, 2 says. It says, in your presence, in God's presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There is fullness of joy in the presence of God. And so if we're ever not feeling the joy... We got to do something to get into God's presence. The quickest way to get into God's presence. Worship. Worship. It's the quickest way. It's quicker than prayer. Prayer is good. Worship is better. Worship is the quickest way. I love prayer. I'm a prayer person. I pray all the time. Worship is the quickest way to get into God's presence. Quickest. There is presence of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. Full, full. It's the, it's the most joy that we can have in God's presence. This is why David writes and says, there's no place that I'd rather be. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand days elsewhere. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah 8.10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. A couple things we know here, right? Number one, God's joy gives us strength. God's joy, when we receive joy, we receive strength. Are you feeling weak? Get strength from the joy. Get joy and you'll get strength. If you're weak, get joy. Second thing we know here, it's God's joy. 
The joy of the Lord. I've been walking this joy out for a long time. I don't remember when I first started uh, with, you know, joy. But it's been my thing for a long time. And um, when I first saw and read James 1, 2, I underlined it. Come in, when you come into various trials, consider it pure joy when you come into various trials. And I was like, that's tough. That's rough. Like, how does that even work, God? And so for weeks, I would be at work and I would just be consider, like repeating the scripture over and over and over again. See, but biblical meditation is when you take a scripture and you repeat it back to yourself until you gain understanding or until the Lord reveals understanding to you. And this is what I did with James 1, 2, not even knowing the process. I took it and I said, God, I don't understand it. And I said, but I'm going to consider it pure joy when I come into various trials because it was over 20 years ago, 20 some years ago, there was a time in my life where I walked through a period of great trials. It was one trial after another, after another, after another, after another. It just seemed like there was no end in sight, right? Like, where is the end? I can't even see the end. And so I found this scripture and I just started repeating it back to myself. Consider it pure joy when you come into various trials. Some of the trials I created for myself and some of the trials were just things that happened around me. How many of you know sometimes we make bad decisions, we create trials for ourselves. And so in walking this out and in sharing this with a bunch of people, somebody brought up a question and they said, is it, they, they were asking someone else and they, they said, is it his joy? Meaning, is it my joy? Well, no and yes. <laughs> There's never an easy answer with the Lord. No, it's not my joy. It's God's joy. But when God gives it to me, he calls it my joy. I'm going to keep calling it his joy. But he's calling it my joy. Guys, this is, listen, this is so exciting. God gives us gifts, right? We're doing this healing class. We're doing this healing small group. Well, it's been phenomenal. But stand up for a minute. All right, so when, when I pray and heal God, when I, when I, I'm really losing it. When I pray for somebody for healing, it's God who heals. But God says, it's me who's healing. And I'm like, wait a minute. It's God who's healing. And, I, and here's the secret, guys, is that I keep pointing back to him. And as much as I keep pointing back to him, he keeps pointing at me. And so it's a, it's a competition to who can give more credit. Well, I'm, the, I'm not going to lose here. Well, I probably will because you can't, you, you can't beat God. But I'm never going to stop giving God credit. I'm never, ever, ever, I will never, ever, 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 ever. In case you don't know, that's forever and ever. I will never, ever take credit. I can't because it's not me. And if I ever do, then it's the end of the thing. God will cut it off. I don't want to be cut off. I want to continue. And so I'll always give God credit. It's God. It's God's joy. Is it my joy? Yeah, he says it's my joy, but it's his joy. And my confession of my mouth is that it's his joy. God says it's my joy. And when he gives it to me, it belongs to me. That's what God says, but it's his joy. I will always say it's his joy. It's God's joy working through me. Listen, I don't even want my own joy. I don't. Why would I want joy that I would have to create on my own? That's going to be second rate. Yep. <laughs> you want some second rate joy? <laughs> Who wants second rate joy? I want the best. That's good stuff. 
<sighs> All right. Uh, Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, or long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And so we know that the fruit of the Spirit is joy, and so we get joy by fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. We get joy by being in the presence of God. As we're with Him and as we fellowship with the Holy Spirit, God deposits joy into us. Anybody lack uh, love, joy, peace, patience? Just start fellowshipping with God. Start praying in the Holy Spirit. Start praying in the Holy Spirit. Jude uh, verse 20 tells us to pray. Pray in the Holy Spirit at all times, building up, building up ourselves, building up our spirit, man. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in your tongues. Just pray constantly, constantly. I'm in the kitchen just having coffee, and all of a sudden I hear one of my family members go off in tongues, and I'm like, praise God. Praise God. It's good stuff. Isaiah 61 verse 2 says this. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal up the brokenhearted. You can see that I read different translations because I'll read it, not reading it. And then all of a sudden I'm looking at it as I'm saying it and I'm saying it slightly differently. And so that's why I don't always read exactly what's on the screen. He has sent me to heal up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And here's the, here's the joy coming, guys. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes and to give them the oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. This is the exchange rate of heaven. How many of you understand what an exchange rate is? You have American dollars. And when you go to a foreign country like Israel, like I did, you go to the counter and you hand them your American dollars and they hand you back um, Israeli currency. I don't even remember what it's called. They hand you back Israeli currency. If you go to Germany, same thing. They give you euros. If you go to Africa, same thing. They give you whatever they're... And so any country you go to, you hand in your money and they give you their money back so that you can go into the street and spend the money, right? And so here's the exchange rate of heaven. We give God ashes and he gives us beauty, Guys, this is ridiculous. We give him mourning and he gives us joy. We give him heaviness and he gives us the garment of praise. Let me just rephrase it in common English for you. We give him what is worthless and he gives us what is priceless. I have a wood stove. And every once in a while, you've got to take the ashes out. What are they good for? They're good for nothing. Beauty. Wow, come on. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Barrett to come up here right now. And uh, I just want to do a little demonstration here. And so it says that he gives us the oil of joy for mourning. Okay, 
tennis balls, right? They'll bring a lot of joy to the little puppies when they chase them around, right? So the, the tennis ball is going to represent joy, right? And all of the, the burden that bear here represents mourning, okay? So here you go. It's really close, guys, but he can't take it. Watch. He's got to give up the morning. He's got to give up the morning. He's got to come and lay it at the feet of Jesus. He's got to come and lay it at my feet, at the feet of Jesus, not my feet, feet of Jesus. I'm just, I'm a stand-in, guys. <laughs> so that he can receive the joy, thanks. Right? And so we, we do this. We take and we bring the, the morning to Jesus, and we lay it at the cross. Can I walk over here? Can you mute me while I go this way? Jason, can you mute me? Or somebody mute me so that we don't blow up? Right, and we set it at the foot of the cross. That's the morning, and he gives us joy. 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 And then... You know what happens? Somehow, that morning, it shows up again. It shows up again. And so what do we have to do? We have to bring it back to Jesus. The morning's going to come back. You laid it at the feet of Jesus, but you know what? A couple days later, it showed up again. And so what? Jesus has got more joy for us. But we first got to give up the morning so that we can receive the joy. We got to give it up. We got to come and lay it down. Thank you. We got to come. It's, it, and it may take, uh, guys, I don't know, may take 10 times. It may take 12 times. It may take 100 times. It may take 1,000 times. But just don't ever give up on the process. It's a process. And we have to lay down the morning at the feet of Jesus. We have to lay down the morning at the feet of Jesus and he builds something beautiful out of our morning. He takes that which, which is worthless and he makes it into a testimony. And all the while we walk in joy. To God be the glory. Why? I mean, come on, I don't even deserve this. But it's what he does. It's what he does because it's who he is. It's, it's what he does because it's who he is, because that's what he really wants for us. All right, back to James 1-2. See, James 1-2 is tricky, but if we keep reading, we'll find this secret. Not that it's a great comfort, but we'll see. Count it all joy when you come into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Well, that helps. God's trying to accomplish something. As we go through trials, as we go through temptations and tribulations, our faith is being tested and it produces something in us. It produces something in us. It creates something. There's a process of creation that occurs in us when we go through trials. And so when we're going through a trial, we can know that God is working in us. Praise God. Well, it helps. That's verse three, verse four. But let patience have its perfect work 
that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. NIV says that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. You know what God wants? God wants mature kids. God wants kids. We're all kids. We're all children of God. He wants us to grow up and be like Jesus, to literally be just like Jesus walking the earth. Mature sons in God. The, the, the Greek is the weos sons of God, the mature sons of God. God wants to bring us to the point of maturity so that we're no longer tossed to and fro by every trial that comes our way. A trial comes my way, big deal. So what? <laughs> I was working one time. I used to have a real job. I used to have a... a Boy, I just dug myself a hole. I used to have a job that I didn't like as much as the one that I have now. That's, that's why I said what I said. And uh, I was in landscape, I was digging trees and loading them on the trailer, and I backed the trailer to get out, and sure enough, the axle snaps and the wheel falls right off. We're not talking about a flat tire. We're not talking about a flat tire. We're talking the axle snapped off and the part with the, the brake fell off and there's the axle and here's the tire and the part of the wheel assembly. And I'm like, <laughs> this is great. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, Lord, I'm so tired. I just dug these 20 Arbor Vitties by myself because all the other guys were out working on the landscape. I am so tired. And now I've got to move these arborvitaes off of the trailer into the truck so that, you know, I can try and get something done here today, right? Because we can't just mail it in tomorrow. We've got to continue to work. And so you just consider it pure joy. And God is creating something in me. And he's creating patience and commitment and faithfulness. And the, the list of what God wants to do in your life is endless, and when we embrace trials, ooh, when we embrace trials rather than run from them or hide from them, God can work in us. But when we run from trials, we're like Jonah, and then we wind up with a worse trial. Pastor Tom always said, uh, decisions have consequences, right? And he says this too. He says, life is hard enough, but when you make bad decisions, it can become unbearable. He's not wrong, right? And so sometimes trials are because of our decisions and sometimes trials are just because there's trials, right? Sometimes you're just driving down the street and somebody T-bones you, you were in the right, they were in the wrong and you got injured. You didn't do anything wrong. You did nothing wrong, right? I mean, if we go back to the story of the trailer, maybe it was because it was a 25-year-old trailer. Maybe it was because the axle should have been replaced three years ago. Maybe it was because... And we could go on and on and on and, and see if we could place blame about where that wheel fell off. But in the T-bone situation, I didn't do anything wrong. I had the green light. Somebody else ran the red light, right? And so sometimes trials just come. Why? I don't know. And so, you know, sometimes you're a prisoner and sometimes you're a captive. And there's a difference, right? Prisoners are taken prisoner. Prisoners have done something wrong. Captives are just captured for, for sometimes no reason. We need to embrace our trials. You know, when we embrace our trials, it's like embracing the cross. 
we're going to have to, Jesus said, if anybody wants to come after me, let him take up his cross daily and follow after me, right? And so here's the cross. And so the cross, and, and we can either let it hit us and hit us and hit us, or we can embrace it. And when we embrace the cross, although it's heavy, heavy at times, Jesus said, my burden is, is light and my yoke is easy. And so as we carry it, he helps us. He gives us the strength. But when we embrace our trials, they're a lot easier. They become a lot easier. Don't run from a trial. See, God's trying to accomplish something in your life. So next time you see that uh, there's a trial in front of you, you're like, praise God. God, praise God. God's working something in me. God's working something in me. God's working something in you. You know what? If there's no trials in your life, be concerned. <laughs> Ask somebody. So any, any trials in your life? No. Ooh. Ooh. I don't know. Ooh. Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> Embrace joy. Oh, baby. What's God doing with this? What's God doing with this? Wait until God sees this. Jesus said this, uh, Matthew 5. So here's some different scriptures that we're going to look at that say very similar things. Jesus said this, Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word rejoice means to give joy or to feel joy or great delight. And so Jesus is saying, when they persecute you, when they hate you for my name, consider it great joy. Give great joy. Respond by giving joy. This is what the apostles did in Acts. It says uh, they were, the, the, the government told them to not preach Jesus. And they said, you know, whether it's right to obey you or to obey man, or whether it's right to obey you or to obey God, you decide, but we'll obey God. And so they let them go. And then the second time they arrested them, it said that they beat them severely and then let them go. And it says, it says that the disciples rejoiced for they were considered worthy of the sufferings of Christ, guys. They rejoiced because they were beaten. There's an eternal aspect here that we have to get a hold of. There's an eternal aspect of joy, right? Joy works from the kingdom of heaven and it works through us. And so there's an eternal aspect of joy that we have to grab a hold of. Bill Johnson said this. He says, anytime we emphasize the difficulty of obeying God's will above the rewards and fruits of carrying it out, we take a victim's approach to obedience. That's, that's huge. As a matter of fact, I'll read it again because just get a hold of this, guys. Listen. Anytime we emphasize the difficulty of obeying God's will above the rewards and the fruits of carrying it out, we take a victim's approach to obedience. 
Oh, I got to go to church on Sunday. Victims approach to obedience. I get to go to church for, on Sunday. Victors approach to obedience. I can't go drinking with you guys because the Bible says, you know, that I shouldn't become drunk. Victims approach to obedience. Listen, I don't want to touch that stuff because I want to be, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be drunk with the Holy Spirit and not drunk with wine. Victors approach to obedience. Watch the words that come out of your mouth. It'll reveal whether you have a victim's approach to obedience or whether you have a victor's approach to obedience. Do you want to be a victim or do you want to be a victor? The choice is yours. We choose it. Wow. Hebrews 1.9 says that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness more than all of his companions. Jesus had more joy than anyone we've ever seen, anyone we've ever known. Jesus is the human being that walked the planet that had the most joy ever, more than all of his companions. He's the end goal. He's where we all want to be. There's one of two reactions when you get around somebody with joy. You're either attracted to them or you're repelled from them. Right? And we can't make a generalization one way or another. It depends on the spirit in the individual. And so if we are... If, if we get around somebody that's joyful and we find we just want to leave and run the other way, we have to wonder why. <laughs> what are you guys laughing about? I don't know. That's not striking me as funny. You know why? Because probably there's envy tied up there. Oh. You know, remember back, envy's that one sin that it's no fun ever, right? Of, it said, what did we say? Of all of the sins, envy is no fun at all, right? Other sins have an aspect of fun to them. Envy's never fun. And so if you're around somebody that's joyful and you're irritated, <sighs> there might be envy there. Pray, ask God. He'll, he'll break it. Honestly, God. Pray, ask God, he'll break it. He'll, he wants to give you joy. He wants to give you joy as much as I have joy. Why am I preaching this message today? Because I want you all to have joy. I want your faces to hurt so much that you're going to want to watch a sad movie just to give your face a break. <laughs> Do we have something that's a tearjerker? I just need to stop smiling for a minute. <laughs> oh, Lord. I want you all to have joy, but I, I want to let, let you know, because, and we've already talked about this, the path to joy is laid with trials. Mm. <laughs> we get there by going through the stuff. Yea, that I, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for I know that you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God is bringing us through the valley of the shadow of death. There's no death there. There's just a shadow of it. But you thought it was real. We thought the shadow was reality. It's not. God's bringing you through. His desire is to bring you through. We've got to be committed to walking through. And we walk through by embracing the trial. It's good stuff. Romans 5, 3 through 5. 
These, these scriptures, guys, they're all throughout the whole Bible. Everywhere I turn now, I'm seeing the same thing. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. <laughs> I give glory when I am in tribulation. Tribulation's not a pretty word. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. It's, guys, notice there's a process here. Tribulations lead to perseverance. Perseverance leads to character. Character leads to hope. Hope in God. It's the process. It's very similar to what James 1, 2 said. A little different. We glory in tribulation. So many people, preach it mid trip so many people are afraid of the tribulation, the great tribulation. I, I don't know, guys. I think I might be kind of looking forward to it. Great tribulation, opportunity for great joy. <laughs> what if we turn the great tribulation into great joy? What if rather than seeing the negative aspect, we saw the positive? For every, every single time something goes on, we have a choice. The tribulation can come. It's not going to change my, my standing with God. The enemy can come and do whatever he wants to me. It will not change my, he does not have the power to change my standing with God. I am forgiven. I will go to heaven. I have eternity up ahead. If we thought of the great tribulation as opportunity for great joy, it would absolutely con- completely revolutionize our Christian life. Philippians 1.28 says, Do not in any way be terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a, f- a proof of perdition, their impending doom. When we choose joy in the midst of suffering and trials and tribulation, when the enemy comes at us with something and we're not terrified and we laugh at them, it's proof to them that they're going to be destroyed. (laughs) That's that good. And so the tribulations produce perseverance, character, hope. We become steadfast. We become immovable. We become faithful in all things. We become consistent. Consistency becomes who we are. That should be part of our character. We set our faces like flint. I will not be moved. I've drawn a line in the sand. I'm not going back. I'm past having doubts. I've set my hand to the plow. I'm not looking back. When we do this, our options become fewer. Decisions become easier. (laughs) My options become fewer. God's already told me what to do. And so I don't have an option. I have to obey him. I don't even want to, I don't even want to risk the alternative. I don't even want to know what else is out there. I'm not even going to consider it. It's not even an option for me because God said this, my options are fewer. Joy. Forgetting those things which, which are behind, pressing forward to those things which lie ahead. I consider For I I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. This is why we consider it pure joy, guys, because God's creating something in us. I don't consider the sufferings of this. This is what Paul said. I don't consider the sufferings of this present age, what I'm going through right now. I don't consider it worthy to be compared with what God is accomplishing in me, with the glory that will be revealed in me. 
We take a scale and we throw this on the scale, the sufferings of what I'm currently facing versus you know, the glory that God's working in me, it's not comparable. There's not a scale out there for that. You can't just take a balance and say, where do we balance out? It, it doesn't work that way. Oh, I, I think you're supposed to go the other way. <laughs> My demonstration fell short. It, it, it doesn't compare. What God is working in you is priceless. And what you're going through, it has value because it's accomplishing something. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside also every weight and the sin which easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Does that mean that the cross was joyful? Absolutely not. Does that mean that the trial that you're going to go through is going to be enjoyable? Absolutely not. But here's the secret, guys. We draw this secret from Jesus. There was a joy that was set before him. He knew that he, in order to get to the joy that was set before him, he had to go through the cross. The cross, was the, the cross was the path to the place of joy. The joy was set before him when he faced the cross. He saw beyond the cross to the joy that awaited you in fellowship with him. That's the joy for Jesus. That's the joy for us. And so as he is preparing to go to the cross, he prays this prayer, Father, if at all possible, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Right? Jesus prays this prayer because he knows that he's seeing in the spiritual realm and he's seeing the only way that he's getting to this joy that he can see, because he can see into the spiritual, the only way that he can get to this joy that he can see is to go to the cross. And so he does so willingly. Listen, we have to understand Jesus didn't go with a twisted arm or, or, you know, God wasn't twisting his arm to go. It was just he understood the physical torment of the cross and he, he really was asking, is there any other way? But if not, I'll willingly go because that joy is too priceless. I won't not go because the joy is what I want. Them with me, you with Jesus, you with God. It's the end goal. He saw it. He saw it and it encouraged him. And so this is the eternal aspect of joy that we have to see. Joy isn't temporary. Joy doesn't depend on what happens because joy comes from God and joy returns us to God. Joy is part of our kingdom expression. And so we are called to live from the place of kingdom and live in joy, even in the here and now, even as we go through many trials and many sufferings. I'm not sharing this because I think that, you know, we have suffering days up ahead. I've been preaching this message for a long time, but I want you all to have joy. I want you all to have such smiles that, you know, your face hurts. Uh, This happened to me 
I would smile so much that my face would hurt. I had to rub my cheeks once in a while. I'd be like, oh my gosh, stop for a moment. (laughs) Now I smile all the time. My cheeks don't hurt anymore. Good stuff. Listen, God saw the joy. There is this eternal eternity. Look, look past your situation and look into the eternal. And we need to draw strength from the eternal. We have to remember, guys, that we are eternal beings. We are created for eternity. Ecclesiastes says, God has set eternity in the hearts of men, but men have not perceived it. This is why death comes as such a shock to all of us. Somebody dies, they're 99 years old, they had cancer and everything else, and we're like, how could he die? Why are we surprised? We're surprised. This is real. People really have this reality response. But we're surprised because we think that we should live forever, and we will. Because we are eternal. This flesh suit that I have on is the only thing that's temporary. God saw the eternal, and it's what gave him the strength to go through the trial of the cross. There's never been a greater trial. We look at this cross, don't look, right? It's not just a pretty little piece of wood. This is an implement of death. We might as well put an electric chair up there. Somebody saw a cross, they knew that they were going to die. They didn't put people on a cross to torture them. They put people on crosses to kill them. Jesus knew the cross was coming. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and accomplished what he did. He sat down at the right hand of the Father, and he gave the authority that he has in sitting there to us. He did all of this. He looked to the joy, and the joy was the relationship with you. That he might have relationship with you, that you might talk to him and fellowship with him, spend time in his, in his presence. The price that was paid so that we could have fellowship with God was extraordinary. One drop of the blood of Jesus Christ is more costly than all of the gold in the earth. It's of great cost. It cost everything for Jesus to accomplish this. And so many times we take it so lightly. So many times we forget or we're too busy to be in the presence of God. Be in the presence of God. Spend time fellowshipping with God. It's why he did what he did. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your heart, if you don't know what this means to be in the presence of God, to spend time fellowshipping with God, I want to invite you to pray with me. We're going to pray a prayer. See, we're all sinners. And Jesus went to the cross to die for you and for me so that our sins can be forgiven. And when our sins are forgiven, we have access to the throne. We have access to fellowship with God. That's why Jesus came and did what he did, so that we could have fellowship with him, so that we could live from this place of kingdom, and express his will on the earth. If you're here today and that you want to make that decision, I just want to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I ask that you forgive me of my sin, that you come and live inside my heart and help me to live for you all of the days of my life.
In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here and you just prayed that prayer for the first time, you were just introduced to Jesus. You just became a Christian. And I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to take your Engage card, and on the back it says, Today I will follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time. If that's you, I want you to check that box. And uh, I want to mail you some information, explains a little bit more in detail about what it means to follow Christ and what your next steps are. We're going to, at this time, prepare to receive the offering. And so I'm going to call the worship team up. And uh, Sue, come on up and receive the offering for us.